Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And I want to talk to you about this other couple that uh, appear in the Christmas story. They appear sort of in the prequel trilogy. Um, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they, they are related to, um, to Mary and Joseph. And I want to read a little bit of their story. I was sharing this in another place a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to do it again here today. So here we go. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. All those with me say aye. There it is. Okay. In the time of Herod, the king of Judea. Luke does this, by the way. This is the gospel of Luke. So he throws a lot of history in to to put the dates in for us. In the time of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. uh, Who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. A lot of students often say to me, how do we say these names in the Bible? And I always say, just say them quickly. (laughs) And it's fine. He belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, I know that one, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them, now here's what I went... Look at verse 6. Both of them, this, both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments. Can you see that? And regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well on in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, so as a priest he had to sometimes be on duty and do stuff in the temple, you see. So when when he was on duty, he was serving and he was chosen. Look at verse 9. He was chosen by Lot. Kind of like the roll of the dice, you know. They uh, Heads or tails, who's going to go? Well, it was him. He, he gets chosen to go into the temple of the Lord. Verse 10, and when the time for the burning of incense came, that's his job, you see, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Verse 11, now here comes the new bit. This is the interesting bit. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now what's about to happen here is something that hadn't happened in Bible history for 400 years. So this hasn't happened for four centuries and suddenly... Something is happening. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. It would be a bit frightening, wouldn't it? That You wouldn't go, oh, I've seen you on a Christmas card. You'd be frightened. A man is suddenly materialized in front of you. And he was afraid. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you are to give him the name John. And then we find out a whole load of things about him. He's going to be great. He'll be a joy and a delight to you. Many will rejoice because of his birth He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth or even from his mother's womb in the Greek. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord. Boy, oh boy, he's going to be good, this guy. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he's going to turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. Wow. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah says this. 
How can I be sure of this? I am an old man. Isn't that right? And my wife is... I, I love this bit. Can you, can you just see this in the Bible? She's well on in years. Like, she's older than me, Gabriel. I'm an old man. There ain't no way my wife is going to become a baby machine at this juncture, Gabriel. That's, that's what he's saying. I mean, he'd have been fine, but his wife couldn't have done this. And the angel says to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news. And now you will be silent. He he, uh, shuts him up here. You won't be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Say proper time. time. Yeah, remember that in a minute. Meanwhile, the people were waiting outside. They, they don't know what's happened to him. Eventually, he does come out. In verse 22, but he can't speak, so he does sign language. And verse 23, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. I want you to remember that as well in a minute. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. All right, let me just get to it because Santa is a coming, isn't he? Um, What can we learn from this story about our lives? Well, number one, let's just have number one come up here. I think when we think about uh, what needs to be drawn out of the passage, the first thing is that we're going to have to be faithful in times of disappointment. I want you to notice a little piece of the Bible. I'm going to draw your attention to the verse. It's this. Verse 6. Both of them were blameless or upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren. In your English version of the Bible, that's separated quite nicely and accurately and uh, correctly by a little full stop. It's two sentences long. But in the original, it's just one long flow. Uh, There is no but. In fact, the word there is and. It's used like a comma. So two statements are made about them, but both in the same sentence. Everyone understand? Number one. They were good people. Number two, they were deeply disappointed. Get that? They were both blameless. They kept all the commandments. They were holy Joes. They were good people. They served God. They were real. They were authentic. They loved God. But they had a deep, life-long disappointment. Everyone see that? And you see, part of our lives, and part of my life and your life, part of our journey is to manage all of the colossal disappointments that come our way. And I'm not talking now about the last Jedi. I mean, really. I mean, that wasn't Yoda, was it? No, I'm not talking about the Wi-Fi doesn't work in the hotel. I'm not talking about, ooh, I've got to dig my car out of ice. 
By the way, no one in our village is doing that. All our cars are being heated up by Christmas tree bulbs all around. <laughs> you get in your car and you turn your blower, cold blower on. Look, you don't have to be a prophet or a son of a prophet to stand here in front of a large group of people and everyone listening on the internet and to know that in 2017 there have been some disappointments. Things that just haven't gone the way you thought. Am I right? Oh, what amazing insight the man has got. It's like standing in the Royal Albert Hall and going, there's somebody here called John. And you have come here tonight. I have. How did he know? And you're listening to me right now. I am. How does he know this? But this isn't just any old disappointment. Because the end of the story, that's why I wanted to read it right through to the end. She says this, oh, uh, the Lord has given me favor now. And he has taken away. Do you remember what she says? My what? Disgrace. So she's 80 years old, let's say. We, we don't know how old they are, but I'm going to pluck at 80. She's 80 years old, and she's had listen, a lifetime of disgrace. Because in their culture, you may understand, it, look, it's no fun at all not to be able to have a baby in any era of time. So let me just be sensitive to that. But in this era of time, To not to be able to have a baby was considered a sign of divine disapproval. Yes? So you went to the doctor, I can't have a baby. And the doctor didn't give you some medical explanation. Didn't offer one or two options. But the doctor told you, your womb has been closed by God. Next. I mean, that's, that's the culture. That's what they would have understood. So she lives in a culture and in her own head that God has not delivered the goods into her life. Everyone understand? That which would normally be expected for a woman to be able to do, and indeed the man. And yet despite being Colossally, as I'm using the word disappointed, but we can use a whole load of other words. Angry, confused, bitter, resentful, jealous. I mean, all sorts of other words you could use. They were were happening in their life. But this is what Luke tells us. They lived before the Lord blamelessly. They kept all of his regulations, they were upright. And you see, part of being holy and set apart is continuing to be godly when everything is going rubbish for you. Everyone understand? That's part of what it's about. That's why we've got to have the life in us so we can have light. Because our light must come from the life of Christ. It doesn't come from the external. It comes from the inside out. Listen, I, uh, if you in 2017 have faced the most terrible disappointment. And of course, sometimes being a Christian, it can actually be even trickier to have disappointments. Because in the world, you just thought, oh well, this is life. But when you're a Christian, you think, well, God could have done something about this. Yes? Everyone understand? It can be a bit trickier to be a Christian when things go, God, what are you doing? Right? Whereas in the world, they either think, well, it's just life, or I'm a monkey anyway, or, uh, or they think, well, what will be will be, and I wasn't supposed to be with you, and I just wasn't supposed to get on the X Factor. And on that case, I think we can agree. (laughs) 
How do you handle disappointment? How do you handle that? Here's how you handle it. You serve God. You keep his commandments. You live upright. You're blameless. That's what happened in the life of Job. Job's, if you don't know the story, there's a guy in the Bible called Job. He's, he has terrible calamity and then he meets his wife for a chat. And this is what she says to him. Oh, it's terrible. Here's my advice. Why don't you curse God and die? I reckon they were probably having some marital difficulties. Like if I went through a difficult time and Jane sat me down and said, look, I've got some advice. Why don't you die? (laughs) I would say, I'm not sure my day's picking up here. I perhaps would like another counsellor here. In the face of awful, awful disappointment, and I'm using a very soft word, the word disappointment, it's actually a soft word, we can use harsher words. In the face of awful times, you do have the choice, you can curse God if you like. You can say, Lord, why aren't you sorting this out? I mean, that's when, because you're getting, because you thought all the time that actually he was your servant. Uh, And and now we're working out what the real agreement is with you and God. God, uh, 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 I mean, it's the old thing. We are to be tested and he is to be trusted. But of course, we prefer the other way around. God, I can be trusted. And I will now put you to the test. Well, all the best with that. It's not going to work, is it? So in the face of colossal disappointment, it's, it's possible. You have the option. It's in you. You could curse God and spiritually die. You could. But it's not going to profit you anything. And here we find a, an old man and an old woman desperately disappointed. They've not had a baby. Now guess what? They're going to have a baby. Right? I don't know why I'm whispering, but you know. <laughs> they are going to have a baby. That's how the story's going to end, but they don't know it. You're sitting here now, colossally disappointed, but this is what you don't know what's going to happen next, do you? Can you say amen? amen. You don't know what's going to happen next. If you're going to be holy, you're going to have to handle disappointment well. Let me put it another way. For everyone in this room and all those listening on the internet who have faced in the last 12 months or 24 or 36 months, whatever it is, some colossal difficulties, but you're still here, you're still loving God, you're still serving Him, you're still wanting to be right, you're still trying to live clean, you're still trying to receive His life so you can have light, I just want to fully commend you today. Well done. Keep going. Keep running. Because the story is not over at all. Well, number two, I want you to be open. (laughs) Phil, is that what they do where they want you to end the sermon? (laughs) Point two of ten. Um, <laughs> let's look at another one. I want it to be their lives were open to divine interference. And isn't that interesting? They one of the things that doesn't happen very much in the Bible, funnily enough, is when I'm going to put it in a funny way, and you, uh, I'll try to explain. Is when God behaves like a god. Very often, God doesn't behave like a god. By that I mean this thing where they draw lots and God has, you know, he's been a bit sneaky, hasn't he? 
He has determined the role of the dice. That's not the normal thing that God does, is it? Everyone understand? He's, he's sneaky, isn't he? He's working backstage to manipulate the outcome. And so it happens to be when Zechariah is on duty, and then it happens to be that they, they draw lots, and somehow God has somehow got into that lot, and somehow he has decided, here's what's going to happen right now. Zechariah, it's you. But that doesn't often happen in the Bible. That's quite an unusual thing to happen. But here, there is divine interference going on. What happens to a person who lives uprightly? What happens to a person who, now, who seeks to live blamelessly? Here's what happens. There's someone working backstage. There's someone messing around with your life. And you're not to know it. That's one of the things. You're not to, Zechariah, the, the angel doesn't appear in front of the lot, looks at Zechariah, you know, I gives him a wink. It's going to be you. <laughs> or that donkey from Shrek appears. Right? <laughs> I've got layers. Uh, It's a secret. How many secrets do you think God has kept from you? How old are you now? Don't tell me. You're 40 years old now, are you? How many times has God messed with the lots? And you didn't know it? Can you say amen? How many times have there been divine moments of interference that didn't come with a receipt to tell you it had happened? And then in 2018, how much messing is going to be going on? One of the things I love, I I love uh, to go to the theatre, you know, and... um, it's a bit middle class, but there you are. And so, uh, and I like, I, li- I, li- I, li- I, li- I like the front row. I-, I like the front row, you know. Leg room and that. And, you know, as you get older, it's nice to be able to get out to the bathroom, maybe halfway through quite an important scene. Um, and so there I am in the front row. But, but what, I've, what I've discovered about the front row is, and this happened to me just a few weeks ago, is you see a little bit too much. <laughs> you do. You see a little bit too much. So I remember one time being in Milton Keynes, and I sat there. I'm going back a few years now, when I lived down in here, these parts. And I remember sitting there, and I could see like a computer on the side that was running the show. And, and if anyone was ever going to come on, I knew about I could see them having a cigarette through the... Uh, <laughs> See him through the, you know, he's about to come on. Well, the cat, oh, look, it's, it's Count Fosco. And well, of course it's Count Fosco. He's been in the wings uh, on the phone to his lawyer, uh, wanting more lines for the last 20 minutes. So sometimes you see too much. When you see too much, it ruins it. You don't want to see backstage. All you want to know is that someone is backstage. And So here's the wonderful second thing to come out of this story. There truly is a God who really is messing with your life, but he's not sending you an email to telling you he's done it. There really is a a, a wonderful Heavenly Father working his work, but he's not doing it with a bright light on him. He's not doing it to show off. He's doing it because he loves you. Do you have secret Santa down here? Oh, I, I, I didn't know whether that really would have come to Cambridge. It feels more of a northern thing, uh, where people only want to spend a fiver uh, on one another. Uh, like uh, Up in the north, you see the poster, secret Santa, and then they say, maximum five pounds. <laughs> 
Let's say suggested five pounds. Maximum. Maximum five pounds. And so I've done a few secret Santas over the years. And, uh, and I love it if I get a secret Santa of someone at work who I actually like. That's a blessing, isn't it? I mean, I like them all. Just some of them I like more than others. I'm sure it's the same about me too. Anyway, so when I find someone I really... Oh, I've got secrets. I've got someone I really like. And then, boy, oh boy, I remember one time Jane and I walking around painting, looking high and low for some gift for this person. Because I wanted to bless... And they weren't going to know it was from me. That was the point, right? See, God's like that. He doesn't want you to stand up and clap him for everything. I, I, I mean, we're here to give him praise. We're here to give thanks. But, but the point that God's quite happy to bless you without you necessarily knowing everything he's doing. And this is going to happen in 2018. All the time. All the time. Sometimes the blessing of God looks like a temporary traffic light that's red. Hello? And it's to stop you having a crash. Oh, I can't. Why has God shut this door? Because he likes you. Oh, I've been praying this door to open for a long... It's not opening. Good! Good! Listen, I've been working at a Bible college all, all, all year. They're all in love, you know. Looking at one another lovingly over the dining room table. And believing God that he will be mine. <laughs> Standing in the, in the dinner queue. Believing God that she will walk in next and stand next to me. And she doesn't. Or he doesn't. And thank God for that. Thank God for all the people you didn't marry. Yes. Yeah. Don't sound too happy about that either. Thank God for every job you didn't get. Yes. Thank God for temporary traffic lights. Hip, hip. Yeah, you you weren't sure, but it's true. Because they prevent a crash. Now, here's the other thing about divine interference. How does he interfere with their lives? He doesn't just mess with the lots. Guess what he does next? Then he gives them a baby. A baby. Has anyone here ever had a baby? It's a significant change. Here they were, hoping to be the grandparents. Now, the grandparents show up Don't coo-coo and hand them back again, don't they? Lord, please will you answer my prayer. Please will you do something in my life. Here's what I ask you. Are you happy to have a baby arrive? Now, please, I'm not necessarily talking about you having a baby over Christmas. That's not what I'm talking about. I I mean a spiritual baby. I'm talking about a colossal change. How many of you showing up at a prophetic conference believing God to give you a word? But what about if that word meant you had to move house? Well, I think we might go to another conference. Well, the Lord wants me to give up my job and do, oh, no, I think perhaps we'll, maybe we'll find another, another prophet with a cheaper word. I don't know how many times God's moved in my life where it hasn't involved a solicitor, but it's nearly every time. In 2018, there will be a massive move of God in many of our lives. But it's going to involve stress and change and cash. Everybody say cash. Yeah, you you haven't seen cash for years. You're walking around with your your card. I like that because it feels free, doesn't it? You just touch it. Oh, no. Coffee? Oh, free. I'll just just hit it with my... uh, It's free. 
Are you open for divine interference? I mean, really? Lord, will you, will you move? Please use me. I remember one time, uh, the pastor of a church that I was involved with years and years ago, a guy came up to me and said, oh, pastor, I really don't like it here. I feel, I feel used. The pastor said, well, uh, good. That's good, isn't it? Used. Lord, I want to be used. Lord, I want to work for the Lord. And that's going to involve work. There's a clue there. <laughs> Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. I didn't know there'd be any, I didn't know there'd be any work involved <laughs> in the work of the Lord. There's a clue there. It's not rocket science, is it? So they were open to divine interference. Are you? So as much as we might want God working in the back stage, are we also happy for suddenly thrusting us onto the stage? Are we, are we happy for um, colossal changes? Are we? Are we? That's going to involve work. Number three, I, I think the third thing we learn, there's four of these. The third thing we learn is, well, there's five, but it's only a little one. <laughs> the third thing we learn is that we need to be ready or be prepared for God's long-term memory. How's your memory doing? I don't know how much I remember these days of things. But God has an incredible memory, as you might expect. You wouldn't really expect God to say, I've actually sort of forgotten about what happened back in 2 Chronicles. You would expect him to remember everything. And I want you to get a fresh uh, realization that God has a memory. There isn't a thing that has happened that he has forgotten. He's incapable of it. It's part of his nature to remember everything. An old man, now I'm going to say he's 80. We, we don't know how old they are, but we're going to say 80 just for, to make maths easy. But maybe they're 70, maybe they're 68. But there's an old man, let's say he's 80. And suddenly, on your 80th birthday, an angel appears. And the angel says this. Hooray! Your prayer has been heard. Even if today, while I was preaching here, or one of the Sunday school kids downstairs started talking, if an angel suddenly appeared here now, in front of us, looked you in the eye and said to you this, your prayer has been heard. What would be the thing that would come to your mind? Uh, would you suddenly start thinking, ha ah, that's it now, we're, we're in the money. <laughs> what would you think? Would you think, oh, the Lord's going to heal me. The Lord's going to touch my family or that door I've been praying about is going to open. I am going to get married. What would you think? Your prayer has been heard. But here's the thing. This was a prayer that he had forgotten he had prayed. I mean, at what point do you stop praying about having a baby when you're 50? So let's make the maths easy. So let's say that for 30 years they hadn't prayed about it. Everyone with me? You can go go 20 if you want, but for 30 years they hadn't prayed about it because it was too late. So 2017, 2007, 1997. 1987. I mean, what were you praying about in the 1990s? If an angel appeared and said, you know that prayer you prayed in, in 1994? <laughs> Here it comes, baby. <laughs> you calling me baby? No, you're going to have a baby.
Sometimes we'll go through seasons of prayer and think, oh, that was pointless, nothing happened, nothing happened, it all went on file. Oh, well, I prayed that through, but the door didn't open. What do you mean? If you prayed it through, it's all on file. It's all on the hard drive. It's all on the heavenly memory of God. The issue is not your desire. The issue has been the time. Because the angel said, these things will come to pass, verse 20, at their proper time. And there are things you've prayed about, you haven't seen them happen. And we're not going to pretend you have. But that's not the issue. The issue is, were they heard? Because if they were heard, there is not only an answer, which is yes, but there's another answer is yes, but not now. Mr. Right may not be Mr. Right now. Can you say amen? And there's a time for everything. There are things you prayed about in the 1980s. Listen to me. You say, oh, Peter, you, that's not quite right. I wasn't around in the 1980s. Well, there are things that your grandparents prayed. Come on. My conversion to Christianity is beyond a shadow of a doubt due to the prayers of my grandparents. Salvation Army on one side, United Reformed on the other. God, they got some weird Pentecostal come out of that. <laughs> there you are. If you, if you mix your drinks, you get a funny taste, don't you? Oh, you just became a Christian, did you? Uh, yeah, you just, you just decided. Yeah, yeah, you certainly did decide. But also someone years ago decided to pray for you too. Can you say amen? And suddenly, after years and years of it not coming to pass, it suddenly came to pass. And by the time it comes to pass, They don't feel ready for it. That's how long it is. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. But see, God knows when, doesn't he? Don't buy your four-year-old a car. Maybe buy it when they're 24. But they've wanted a car since they were four. That's nice. Maybe they should wait 20 years. There are certain things that is appropriate to have at the right time. And sometimes there could be a cash machine mentality with God that, oh, I need to find the keys to prayer. And the, if I pray in the right way, and no, no, you've got all the keys. The only thing you haven't got is the right to determine when it happens. Because there's someone who's much smarter than you. He's older than you. So you go to that cash point and press press those buttons to get that £20 out. And that £20 arrives 30 years later. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. So listen, some of those things you prayed about. Ah, it didn't happen. What do you mean it didn't happen? You just mean it hasn't happened. It's not that it didn't happen. It just hasn't happened. And remember, guess what? They're going to have a baby. Hallelujah. So be prepared for God's long memory. And number four, finally, sort of. Be intentional about loneliness. Oh, Peter, what an end. I mean, what? What a a nice word for Christmas. Loneliness. What do we mean? Well, he comes home, he can't talk, sign language. I mean, you just imagine. It'd be a good game of charades for you um, tomorrow. 
the way Zechariah tried to describe, there was an angel in the room who said you were going to have a baby. <laughs> what is it? Black, black, black Beauty? Titanic? What, what, oh, what are you doing? Film? No, you, you, you. What is it? Big Mama's Day Out? What, what are you... says this she gets pregnant verse 24 and it says this very interesting you, you've read this but you, you maybe never parked on it just drove by never saw it for five months she remained in seclusion hmm. now a bit of background for you is that it would not be unusual for a lady, a Jewish lady in the first century to be, become pregnant and then go into a very short period of seclusion, a, maybe a few weeks with the family to get herself ready. What Luke does here is he tells us that it was, a, it was ages, five months long. So he's drawing out the fact this was unusually long. And historically, we believe that to be the case. When a divine pregnancy occurs, that might be uh, that might be so big that it might make you a little bit on your own. You have to look after what God gives you. Your life's important. My life's important. We're not here to curse God and die. We're here to bless God and live. Your life is really, really important. There's something that you have to do. There's something that only you can do. Now, in time, in time, you will be connected with other people doing that same thing. But at the beginning, sometimes, if you really want to walk with Jesus, don't you know you might lose a couple of mates? Don't you know that? You don't want to? But if, listen, listen, let's talk to anyone successful in this world. Anyone who's done anything, I'm going to tell you this. Number one, they've had stress. And number two, they've lost a few friends. Because there is a place to be still and to relax and to be blessed. And there's another place to be driven. That says, I must guard what has been entrusted to my care. If the call of God is on you. Not everyone's going to understand it. You have to get around other people who understand the baby stuff. And that's what she does. She, doesn't, she hasn't gone off to a monastery. She's not gone to the nunnery. Is it even called a nunnery? We'll, we'll Google it later. <laughs> She's gone to be with people who understand the pregnancy process. But it was for a very long time. Don't you know that what was about to come out of her, let's cut to the end, was John the Baptist. The founder of the Baptist church. He was coming. <laughs> he was coming, wasn't he? He was coming. He was a bit hairier than most modern-day Baptists. They're normally quite clean-cut, aren't they now? But, but he, he was... 
he was coming, you know, normally. But he was coming. John the Baptist was going to change the world. She wasn't about to have a son called Cecil who studied IT and got married to Sheila and then died. She was about to bring forth John the Baptist. And that's why I wanted to read all this story. I wasn't wasting your life when I was reading to you. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. He's not to be... uh, Given to wine, he's going to be filled with the Spirit. Many of the people of Israel he's going to bring back to the Lord. He's going to go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. He's going to turn, listen to this, just imagine if this just happened today. In this city today. He's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. Don't we need that on this planet today? The hearts of fathers turn to their own children. Dear God. Dear God. And he's going to make the disobedient. He's going to turn them to the wisdom of the righteous. Don't you think that if that was bubbling away in you, that you'd have to look after it? that you might have to not associate with someone that was going to destroy it. Everyone understand what I'm talking about? Most times you can tell where people are going by who they're hanging around with today. Most times. What I will be tomorrow is because of the decisions I've elected to make today. Maybe you're the only Christian in your family. People say, it's hard. It is hard, but it puts a fire in you. It puts a fire in you. Well, I'm the only Christian in the workplace. It puts a fire in you. Well, I'm the only Christian in my life group. Go to another one. (laughs) Now! You self-righteous Pharisee, you. (laughs) I was the only Christian in my family. My, My grandparents sort of passed away as I came to Christ. I was alone. But it's no sad story. It put a fire in me. Well, I haven't got married yet. You know, I'm not married. That's, that's to put a fire in you. And the day will come when our current Western culture will completely turn against the church. And at that point, we'd better be a people of seclusion. Do you understand? We'd better be separate. And we'd better be happy to be separate. Otherwise, we're not going to change the country. Be intentional about loneliness. It's good to be lonely. See? If God separates you, if God puts you aside, you say, well, I, I don't want that. Listen, what do you really want? What do you really want? I want God to put something so awesome on the inside of me to change this country. I sit with my students or stand with them. They sit, I stand. Seems a bit unfair, doesn't it? But I'll say to them many a time, we're not here to muck about. We're here to save our country. And it sounds so radical. It's a radical thing to say. It's the truth. The government are not going to save the country. They are giving it a good go. They're painting their light bulbs as yellow as they can. 
with our money. <laughs> and the next group will do the same. The local church is the hope of the world. And so if we're a bit separate, if we're a bit secluded, if we have to be alone for a bit, maybe nothing has gone wrong with the divine plan. Can you say amen? Amen. That's good news, isn't it? That's a fire in you. And finally, and this really is the end, um, get ready for a happy ending. It ends happily. It ends happily. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. After all this, John the Baptist arrives. And he's perfectly happy all his life until he gets his head cut off at a birthday party. (laughs) Sorry to bring in that biblical detail. But he changes the world. So, let me genuinely conclude. For everyone here that's been disappointed, well, join the club, I guess. We all are. But sometimes when things are going wrong, maybe they're just really going right because there's a time But in that period, you stay faithful. We don't have to know what God is doing to trust him, do we? Be ready for his very, very long memory. Be ready for some divine interference that might cost you in 2018. Don't worry about being lonely or separated it's a vital component of what God is going to do in this time and this hour and when all those things line up, boy oh boy John the Baptist is coming and this church can have an impact on the entire planet why don't we stand together hallelujah Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.